Hi everyone, Happy New Year and welcome back to the Marseille View. I'm Stefan and I'll be hosting tonight. It's our first podcast of the new year so we've got quite a packed schedule for tonight. Um, but before we discuss the agenda I'll just introduce you to our speakers. Um, we've got Ben as always. Hi Ben, you alright? Very well thank you. Hi everyone, good to be back. Cool, yeah. Um, so did your little one get to see his first Marseille match then? Trailing he, sack, he said. Yeah, well, he, he he fell asleep. Fell asleep. Yeah. To be fair, I did almost as well. It was a it was a pretty dire game on the on the Sunday afternoon, <laughs> just after lunch. Perfect for siest. But um, he then uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I he fell asleep lying down on me, um, watching the Bordeaux game and had a pretty rude awakening when Kevin Streetman scored. <laughs> Poor lad. Um, which led to me getting a stern telling off. So. Yeah. Sounds yeah. familiar. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's had an experience. Let's put it that way. Nice one. Um, all right, um, and we've also got Luca with us. You all right, Luca? Yeah, not too bad, man. Not too bad. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have. Unlike you guys, I don't have a. I haven't given birth to a kid um, in the last year. So I, well, I neither have we. <laughs> well, you're pretty much involved in it, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, there's no there's no junior miracles happening here, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's nice for 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 ones to be on the other side of the recording. That gives me give me less work to do after after the podcast is over. I was going to say, yeah, um, I wonder how you'll find it tonight after um, being on the other side all season. You know, I find it a little bit kind of. It feels weird. It feels weird. Yeah, you know, after, like because you've actually got to see more as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you been have you had a good break anyway over Christmas? Yeah, not too, yeah, it wasn't too bad. I spent some time with family uh, for Christmas, but like I'm back now for a month in the in the labour unit in uh, in South End, so I'm pretty busy most of the day. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, cool. All right, so um, for tonight's schedule, um, what we'll do, because there's been two games since we last podcast, I think we'll cover both. So um, Trelly Sack OM first, um, then the Coupe de France, and then we'll talk about last weekend or well, this last weekend's game against Rennes. Um, and we'll do the same format as we've done all season, so we'll do the line-by-line line analysis and we'll discuss our takeaway points as well. And if we get some time at the end of the pod as well, we'll, we'll think about next week's game, which I think is against Angers, is that right, Angers? OM Angers? And then... Um, uh, yeah, we're, playing, um, we're playing in the Cup first on Friday. Oh, right, OK. So and we'll, then uh, Angers is on the 25th. Okay, so we'll give up. We'll maybe give up predictions for um, the following game, and then if we do have any time, we will have a little chat about the transfer window. Actually, just because a few rumours flying around, and it is the January transfer window right now. Um, so just to start off with um, the first game against Trelisac in the Coupe de France, um, Marseille were held to a one-one draw. Went on to penalties, from which we were victorious. Um, did any of you guys get to see the game? At all because I know it wasn't televised on BT or anything. I, I yeah, was in France. Yeah, I was in France, so I got to see it on French TV. And as usual, a, a heavy bias against OM, which was oh, God, I, I, yeah. hadn't, I, I hadn't <laughs> missed. You know, I spent three weeks in France over Christmas, and I, I watched all the games on on Canal and French TV. And Red Keep and this, yeah, it's just it makes me even more sick than when I'm here, and I just read about the little snippets of it. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is hard to watch on French TV. I obviously, I obviously watched it on perfectly legal uh, by legal means uh, on my laptop. <laughs> obviously, obviously, was in French, and it, it's just if it, 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 honestly, it feels like when you know when England plays in any sport, plays like 
a foreign team and you get like the BBC commentators or Gary Lineker and you obviously you can feel because obviously like you're English so you you so you want to kind of root for this the English team so you kind of bias it feels like when Marseille plays a team French commentators have like it's like Marseille are a foreign team they say like the, the commentators are so biased towards the other team it's just insane so what exactly were they saying about Marseille in this game that was bothering you what kind of stuff? Um, so at, at the moment, there's a, there's a big dr- like drive to you know to keep Camavinga, the the, the Ren midfielder, safe, and um, and Alain Roche, who's one of the French commentators, spent his whole game, he spent his whole game like uh, saying like, oh, these players, the the um, uh, it should be in a penalty from Bunasar, and Kamara should have gotten a red card, and and like it was just. It was like saying at the end of the game, like, oh, yeah, Ren, like, um, they have been hard done by, they can scream injustice. And it's just like, what the fuck, honestly? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then the Trelisac game was, um, well, because it was on public TV, so it's the equivalent of our TV in, in England, France 3. It, it, you know, they're part-time football commentators. So right. it, it's it, they, they go on about the magic of the cup and all this crap. And, and then it's... You know, the minute the other team scored, I mean, you do get that here when the small, the smaller team scores, then, you know, the commentators do get a bit carried away and go, yeah, come on, egging the, the underdog on, which is fair enough. But this was just well over the top. And yes, we played pretty poorly in the first half. Well, even worse in the second half, actually. But yeah, they were just slating Marseille saying, oh, wow, they've had too much Christmas dinner. Oh, they're going to struggle in the league. And if they keep playing like this, it was just uh, so short-sighted. Mm. I mean, it's funny that because... Um... It doesn't to me. It doesn't feel like it would be that much of a shock if they had beaten Marseille because we've been put out a couple of times in recent years by um, sort of lower league opposition, have we not? So um, yeah, I'm, I, I don't know. I I, I, th- I feel like there's bigger giants that teams could slay, you know, in the in the cup. But um, but yeah, just thinking about the actual game. Um, what? How did you find Marseille's performance and in and the fact that they had to grind out a result? I mean, cup games are always a little bit like hard to analyze. Like the main thing is that we won, like, and that we go through. It doesn't it does not matter how we go through because mm-hmm. last year, Red won the cup, and then in the first round they had to go to penalties as well to to go through. So the cup games don't really matter on how you win. It's it's definitely a bit disappointing that we actually played like our basically our starting team apart from Pele, and and and, and couldn't really like dominate Trelisac, but. There's a lot of factors that come into play. There's like like Ben said, there's the magic of the cup. There's uh, the fact that they scored straight away. It's the first game from from the winter break. Um, the the pitch was just the pitch was just in awful awful condition. So a lot of factors come and came into play. I don't know how much you can analyze from that, and I'm expecting the same to happen against Granville. Yeah, the, the pitch wasn't that bad in, in the emerge. I mean, it was. we'll talk about Red in a minute. It was fucking dire there. But <clears throat> the, the pitch wasn't the problem. I think there was just a lack of, of concentration. And, you know, to be fair, we've seen big teams do it in, in every league where you go into the cup against... Uh, well, they're, they're not a non-league team, despite the, the insistence of the whole scandal that happened afterwards. I'm sure we'll say a couple of words about that. But, they, you know, they're like fifth division, so they're below... Oh, below nah, league, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, they're just below League Two. So... You know, they, they, they come in, they've got 12,000 fans, I think. I mean, a lot of Marseille fans were in the stadium, but they, they're raring to go and it's the game of their lives and they, they get a, a very quick early break because Pulley was dragging a fucking 12-ton lorry behind him when he should have been 
sprinting to clear that ball. So, nah, that was not his fault. No, it was. was look, it was just poor. No, I was. I was well, I was going to say, look, he's partly to blame, but he's slow and he's thirty-six. But it's it's just the lack of concentration, and and I think the players, you know, didn't start the game on on the front foot and were probably playing at seventy percent for most parts of the game. They just took it too easy, assumed that they'd they'd be talented enough to make the difference. Um, and, and, you know, yes, I think we were all cheering on Marseille Twitter that, you know, Hen had to go to penalties and played on their shitty little pitch on Friday night against a non-league team as well. And then we end up doing the same on the Sunday, which, to be fair, is, is a, it was a bit shameful. But in the end, we qualified and we got through to the next round. Um, and this is the only cup that we have left this, this season. We've not won the French Cup for a few years. So I'd love to win it because it would be it would be great to win a trophy again. Um, and that's I think that's all we can say about this game. And, and the main thing I take from the game is is Chiletikar was for me was was the man of the match. He was and and against Ren, he was he was amazing. He's been outstanding in recent weeks, and he's he seems to be the only one who's who's hit the ground running in the new year. We were also kind of fortunate as well that um, Carvalho had done some research, weren't we, on the and the penalties. For um, taken by Trelasak, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it was quite. A... Well, it shows you, it shows you the the expertise that they even kind of prepared for the scenario that we managed to get like go to penalties against a non-league yeah. team. Like it shows you the professionalism that the, the staff has compared to previous coaching staffs. Yeah, and just not being arrogant about it, you know, that we, as if that could never have been a possibility, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Okay, um, so just moving on from that one, I think we'll just um, move on to um, Sunday night's, Friday night's game, sorry, against Wren. So yeah. um, it was another difficult game, actually, quite a tight game. Um, Marseille, in the end, were victorious. Courtesy of a goal from an unlikely hero, I guess, and Kevin Strutman. Um How did you find... The return to league and action, I guess, for OM. Do you think it was as was it as challenging as you thought it was going to be this match? It was. It was anticipated. I mean, it was second against third. There had been. You know, we obviously PSG were playing Monaco on the Sunday, but I found being in France there was actually quite a lot of build up in the media to to the Rennes Marseille game because it's second against third, and because it's Marseille away from home. Can they carry their form? Ren and then Bainyong, and I think there was a whole article that came out about the actual value of the players according to the, the European Transfer Centre that values players, and Bainyong being valued at 43 million or something. And mm. so there was a lot of a lot of um sort of skirmishes going on in the press and, and trying to trying to sort of destabilize Marseille, especially with the whole week leading up to that, this whole scandal about us not sharing the, the, the ticket receipts from the cup game with with Trilisag. But that, that's that's all noise in the background and I'm happy that the team didn't focus on that shit. Forgot to mention that, so well we'll touch on that in the end, but it doesn't really matter anyway. It's fuck them. Fuck them all. <laughs> we're, we're entitled to keep the money. Lyon did the same, Lille did the same, Lille haven't it's shared the game with the, It's not even about that though. Trelisac clearly they just took the piss because they, they they did a kind of graph of all the other non-league teams against French league team this year. In the French yeah, Cup. They did, they've done and the most same. of them had ten thousand seats or like ten euros each. Trelisac filled up fifteen. They moved they moved to another team to get fifteen thousand for forty euros. Like and you and then you expect us to do like you take the piss like that and then you expect us to give you our share as well. Yeah, oh. and then, and the stadium would never have been full if they weren't playing Marseille, would it? So. True, but I, I mean, I guess as as 
even if you um, agree with Marseille's decision to not to give them that money, that revenue, you could. I guess you you, you must acknowledge though as well that for the club's image, and, and I mean I mean to the wider public, not to Marseille fans, it it's not great. You know, like most people aren't going to read into the, the the full story anyway, and they're just going to pick up snippets of that headline that's floating around every everywhere that. And they'll, they'll see Marseille has kind of been, well, stingy, you know, and not helping out this little club um, without yeah, ob- maybe looking like, into the facts. But Yeah, obviously there's, like, damage to the to the image of Marseille and reputational damage, and I don't know how you quantify that. It's probably worth more than what we actually kind of retain from the pool. But that reputational damage is going to happen anyway because, you see, Lille's been doing for three years. Have you ever seen an article on it? No, that's really interesting, actually. Exactly. That, yeah. So... We can do anything. We can do the same at all the other clubs, and Marseille will still get picked apart and have that reputational damage. So, uh, yeah, and, and Lille, Lille and were actually playing. Yeah, Lille were actually playing a real non-league club. They were like eighth or ninth decision, division, you know, like the Sunday League team. So they they didn't share the receipts with the Sunday League team, which is a lot exactly. worse. Exactly. Trace has got a million euros of budget a year. Exactly. Like, come and on, the, the, they're not playing in the field. Yeah, and their chairman. It's ahead of a consortium of companies worth 1.5 billion. That's true. So yeah, that, it's just yeah. it's, it, I, you talk about reputational damage, Luca. But it's, let's face it, there's nothing that can damage our image further with the French press because they hate us anyway. So it doesn't really fucking matter. Um, move on, forget it. It's been forgotten now anyway. They they did embarrass themselves with their press releases. That that worked to our favour. I find. Let's just move on. We've moved on and we went on Friday. That's all that matters to me. So do you feel like then, with all that stuff like that happened during the week, um, that Marseille went into this game against Rennes as sort of being the villains? Then, well, there, there could have been, you know, the, the whole we know the press game is to destabilise us as any way they can, and, and to be fair to the squad and to, to AVB, they've been pretty impervious to that. They've they've not read it into it. They've not let it affect them. They've just gotten on with their jobs and moving on to the game on Friday. Yes, we we won. Um, it looked it never looked. Personally, I never felt like we would lose, but it, you know, it looked like we weren't going to get a win. And, and a draw away on that horrible pitch, which was, let's face it, was not even Sunday league standard. It was, it was awful. Meant that players like Payet and, and Radonic couldn't play their usual game, couldn't take the ball and run at players and try and go past them because it was bobbling all over the place. So it did affect us. It affected them as well, but they were used to it. And, and the main thing to take away from it for me is, yes, again. You know, again, Alain Roche and the Canal Plus commentators, you know, AVB makes his substitution, sends Streetman on, and, and they're like always oh, locking down the game. And I felt the same. I thought, you know, fine, if we're not going to win this, might as well not lose. And and yet again, AVB gets lucky with his substitution because the substitute scores the winner. Mm-hmm. And it just seems to be the story of the season. And long may, it's just amazing. He was a it was a good substitution actually because the game was so scrappy. It was very you know there was lots of fouls. I'm surprised with the first half anyway that nobody had been sent off come the second half because it was so scrappy and and it's quite dirty. Um, which probably the pitch being a major co- contributor to that stopping you know people from actually playing football. But um, I think Strutman was a really sensible player to bring in because he's a experienced head. He, you know, he can slow the game down. Um, just yeah, just kind of a, fre- a, a fresh mind and on the pitch, you know, to kind of calm things down. And I felt once he came on, it kind of did settle down a little bit the match. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree about that. Um, but like, 
I, th- I think th- coming into this game, like you, I was on the same side as Villas Boas, who said like before the game, he said if we get a draw, it, it's sort of good result because result for us because we, we keep Ren, who's who's basically the, the, in third place at distance from us. They don't get a point from us, and then we just move on to live another day, and that would have been a great result. So like the fact that we won, even though for me it's undeserved, is obviously more than enough for me. But when you analyse how the game went, like. The, the the pitch completely ruined like any potential of seeing any kind of football, and if I was the Ren players or the, even the manager, I'd, like Ren, they're not like a Rance, they're not a, a Neem. Like they've got some quality players on their side that that would pretty I'm pretty sure would prefer to have a good pitch to play football on, and that 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 kind of potential was completely nullified by this pitch, and not only this pitch, but it was also the referee who. You know, you like you need to let the play go on. It, like it's already hard enough on a pitch like that. If every contact you're gonna blow the whistle, if every contact you're gonna stop the game for 20 seconds to tell off a player, then the game just never gets started, and it's just what we saw. Mm. I, I felt that I felt that the stop. It, well, you know, there were a few tackles flying in, and that was mainly down to the pitch because, as you guys have said, the pitch was bad. And what it what it was doing is it was leading to players taking an extra heavy touch on the ball which led to the opposition player, notably in the first half, many of our players thinking that they could challenge for the ball and win it back. But actually, the ball was moving at a slower pace than the opposition player because it was bobbling, So, which meant that there was always contact and there was always, you know, whoever was going in for a tackle was always going to take the player out. Um, I, I thought, you know, you've got to blow the foul because there were a few challenges. I don't think none of them were nasty, but I think that they were, you know, they were fouls, clear fouls. But what, what really pissed me off was automatic yellow card every time every time in the first half we we went in for a tackle our players got booked um and ren did have a few backings in the second half um they didn't shockingly i think De silva whinged about us trying to murder camavinga and then he, he put an atrocious like knee height tackle in on lopez that led to a scoring but it wasn't it, that was the yeah, worst tackle of the game guy. went for the challenge that was the worst. He went for the, the challenge, so he wasn't going to get it, and then it, just literally it, looked at Lopez's knee and just went for it. It's embarrassing. So that, that whilst I feel for the referee because it, it can't have been an easy game to, to to referee. Yes, there were lots of fouls, and there were always going to be lots of fouls. He, I, I feel like he did not need to systematically book people. Yeah. Okay. No, I agree. Um, um, just yeah. Sorry, Luca. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, it's. I mean, the, the the last time we I, I came on the podcast was for the the OM Border game, and I was that's really the last game that we've seen Marseille dominate so much. Since that game, it's just been a lot of of games where we've just told ourselves, well, the game plan going into the game by Villas Boas was to kind of let the opponent play and get the ball, and then kind of play off of their rhythm. It's it's been a while now <laughs> since since we've played Bordeaux. It, it, it'd be interesting for me to see actual productive games in in the in the like in the build up, not just reactionary football. Because now we got away with one yesterday, or, or, or on on Friday, sorry. But I don't know how many times we're going to get away with this. And seeing the the number of games we're going to play, I think it's important for us to gain confidence back through build up, not just scrappy wins. Such an AVP hater, like, I've not changed. You still don't like him, dude. You still not convinced. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Right. Nine wins, nine wins in ten games. Like, Jesus Christ. Right. Um, just, it, it, it just feels like Deschamps, you know? It, no, it's just like, come on. 
It just feels no. At, at this point, at this point, we play a shit. We did, like honestly, yesterday, like Friday was a shit game. Like let's not let's be honest about this. But because we're winning, we're just basically telling ourselves, nah, that's what uh, that's what Villas Boas wanted to do. I mean, that's that's the game plan. That, uh, you know, he came into wow. this game we telling his players, football against play Neem. Like shit. I, if I remember, we were playing some nice football at times against Neem and other games recently. So I don't know. Anyway, but um. Let's just um, move on to the line by line analysis, because yeah, otherwise we'll just sort of lag behind in time. But um, just starting with the goalkeeper Mandanda, he returned um, after being out injured. Um, how did you find his performance? Do you think um, of, of note? Solid. In the first half, I, I, the, the thing that sticks out for me was um, when there was a free ball for. Um, their left winger, I can't remember his name. He's, he's a nifty little player. I like him. Castillo or something like that. Yes, yeah. yeah Castillo got on got on a free pass that, that bubbled over our defender. Um, that actually was in the second half, early in the second half, and, and he was so quick off his line to come out mm-hmm. and clear the ball. That's right. And he went in for a challenge that could you know could have been a penalty if if he had been a bit slower and had, had made contact with the player. But he, Any, he made, it's the he kind made of challenge. That. Any other year, he would have just taken out the striker. Yeah, he would have, he would have missed the ball definitely. completely. <laughs> yeah, so and and he made um, I think he made a good save in the first half as well for a couple of good saves actually. So, you know, Captain Mondondo is back. Him and he, he's he's maintained well. He's he's back on the form he was before his injury. So he had a good game. Okay, and look at what we yeah, getting tied to that. Yeah, well, he he's I mean he's just been he has he seems like he hasn't skipped a beat since since the winter break and. He seems to be in that stage where it's kind of the great goalkeepers, right? Where, like, a good goalkeeper would concede a couple of goal, goals and still shine. And you're like, well, you can't dock him too much for it because he, he, he did a couple of saves. Mandanda, he, all, every time this season, he managed to make the key saves before we concede at all to, to then kind of jolt energy back into the team. And then we end up scoring and, and, and keeping the clean sheet. On Friday, he made two key saves, and and what Ben mentioned, a, a great kind of off his line tackle. Mm-hmm. But th- these would have meant nothing if if he hadn't saved the first shot. For example, he's already down one one nil. He he's got this capacity this year to, to to basically keep the team afloat and kind of like stretch games out, where keeping the game close to give the team our team a chance to end up scoring. And it's he's showing. He's showing that this year he's clearly back to one of the best keepers in the league. Good, yeah. Um, so just moving on to the defence then, um, how do you think the defence performed and who were your standout performers in, in major weaknesses in the game? Well, this is where it gets interesting for me. So you, you take Alvaro Gonzalez. So bear in mind, I don't think we've lost when he started the game. I think oh, that's really? the statistic. I think he's unbeaten with Marseille. Yeah, he hasn't lost yet. Yeah, but but I find that since he's come back from injury... What about the game he got early... sent off? Um, Remember, you know, like, we drew. We they? drew, didn't we? Against Lyon. That was against Lyon. Was it Lyon? Yeah, it was Lyon he got sent off. Yeah, yeah so we, we still won. Wasn't PSG, no? <laughs> no, no, he, he was injured. He, he just came back oh, from right, injury. Right, yeah. All suspension. All suspension against PSG. He didn't start. But, was um, suspension. It was after the Lyon game, yeah. Yeah, but... um. So bearing that in mind, he's—I find he's been a bit off the pace recently. So I think he's very fortunate that his his counterpart Chaletta Chaletta Charas, for me, he's he's been outstanding in recent weeks. And 
whether it's his defending or, or well, he does he does throw in a nice tasty heavy tackle a game, which does tend to get him booked, but that's that's probably his nature. He's he's strong on the on 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 the man. You know, he defends with with his tackles. But it, his positioning and, and notably his his forward passing, his range of passing has, has been very impressive. I mean, in the first half he, he played a ball with the outside of his right foot that that put Pyatt to shame. Um because we know how much he loves his outside of his right foot. But um yeah, he played the through ball that didn't lead to anything because Radonic got on the end of it, but it bubbled and he, he just went out for goal kick. Um, but yeah, he's, he, he's he's confident, he's on form, and he's been starting consistently. And I think that that trio with Kamara in front of both of them, they, they're working very well together. So he was great. Amavi was, was solid. I don't think he was outstanding, but he was solid. He didn't put a foot wrong. Um, and then, as usual, the, the you know the black cat, which is Bunasar, which he wasn't terrible defensively, but he got booked very early, and I was worried that they would switch Castillo over to his side and he'd run at him, even though it, it quickly became apparent that that was impossible for anybody to run at anybody with the pitch. I was worried he'd get sent off because he got booked very very early. But going forward, he's just very very poor. He's crossing. He was very often in crossing positions, and yet again, he, he just can't cross the ball. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I won't bang on more about it. So I, I think he's a great. I think he's completely come it's come out of his shell this year. I mean, I don't think he was particularly bad last year. I think it's pretty satisfactory considering the the context. But this year, he, he's he's just a dominating figure, and he's clearly when you when you look at the start of the year and you thought like, well, it would be Gonzalez and Kamara at the back. And now it's it's essentially a Chaitetzar alongside either Camaro or Gonzalez. And you can have a debate on, on whether you want Camaro or Gonzalez. And Chaitetzar has completely pushed himself into the basically into the 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 lineup where you know you have to put him on in the starting eleven and he's been great at it. But so I won't bang on more about that. I think I'll probably highlight more my disappointment from, from Friday's game and it's Bunasar. It's I, I feel uh, it feels a lot and lot more every day. Like the season he had with Garcia, the, the first season is just um, it, that was just a flash, a flash in the pan. Like it was a fluke. Yeah, it was a yeah. fluke. Yeah, I, I think I don't think that last year he's had it off year. I think that he's gone back to his normal level since that since that year. And I don't think we're going to see him again. He's twenty seven, and he just seems it seems like he's playing right back, but. He doesn't play like a right back, but he doesn't play like a right winger either. He just seems lost in in the right side of the pitch. And and just if you runner. ask me, he's just a runner. And if if you ask me, the the the, the, the challenge he made to get to get himself booked for me, it, it could have been a penalty. If they're given a penalty for that, I wouldn't have screamed because it's it's very borderline. And I feel like the referee just whistled a, a free kick just just because. It's, more convenient to do in, in, instead of calling for VAR. It, it could have just as easily have been a pen. And even after that, he's just, he seems like his football IQ is, is just not up to what it needs to be for right, right back in a dominating side. Yeah, I think that, 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 that challenge where there could have been a penalty just, just gave me flashbacks of last season against Nîmes when he fell over in the last minute yeah. and put his fucking hand on the ball. It's just, he There's just no seems need to for, lose his no head. There's no need for that. If you want to make the challenge, make it a lot earlier. You're making it where it's so borderline 
it could have just as easily have been inside the box. Hmm. Okay, um, so moving on to the midfield, um, the midfield trio, which I think was Kamara, Sanson, Rongier, wasn't it? Um, they had quite a ferocious opponent, didn't they, in um, Kamavinga? Um, how did you think they were, um, well stepped up to the to the responsibility of facing such a good player? Do you think they were um, struggling, or do you think they held them their own well? Well, Rongier struggled, didn't he? Rongier. Kamavinga had had Rongier's number from in the first half. Rongier was struggling. Um, Sanson made very good bursts forward in the first half and was a bit more tame in the second half. But you could tell he didn't play in the cup game. He was rested. But um, you could tell we were missing him because there was nobody making forward runs from midfield. So it did affect our game plan. But you can tell that he's he's confident and that he got himself into a couple of positions where. I think in the first half he he made a forward run. He got the through ball and and tried to cut back inside and didn't find the space to to get a shot off. Um, and and but yeah, he he was he had a decent game. He's he was all right. But Kamara was was man of the match and rightly so. He um, I think he grew into the game. He was one of the rare players in midfield that was able to actually put his foot in the ball and run a bit with it. And um, by by progressively as the game went on, he he sort of started dominating Kamavinga in. And, and getting a bit higher up the pitch and causing him problems in possession. So, yeah, I think that that was the key to the game. And, and as we've said many times on this podcast, when Kamara is, is on form and, and in midfield, it changes the, the way we play as a team because we're able to to push more more men forward and we're able to, to control the game a bit better. Yeah, yeah. Luca, what about you? How did you think the midfield yeah, got Yeah, for on? sure. I mean... Yeah, I've I've been I've been a firm supporter of Kamara in the midfield. I, I I really don't see the added value of him playing in centre back when when he's so dominant in midfield. Not just as like this sentinel that's kind of defensive minded, but like like Ben said, it's when he's got the ball, you know the ball is is just he's not looking to make this kind of sideways pass that that's just going to lead us nowhere to the full banks. He's always trying and succeeding to actually pass the ball forward to one of our wingers, to Payet or to Ronji to go forward. And he he's that perfect link-up play between Chaitansar and, and Payet. Whereas with Strootman, who, who's the, base, the the player that we have to compare him to for that position, he, he's the complete opposite where he's just stalling the play. And I think for me, just like Chaitansar is is just, you know, a 100% starting centre-back for Marseille, I think Kamara should be a 100% starting CDM for Marseille. It shouldn't really move. And, and like Ben saying, in this game, he grew into this game. He didn't start off very well. Um, picked up, picked up his yellow just just after half time. But, but he he seemed like he got more comfortable as the game wore on, as he got more physical, and he he managed to to actually find his his feet and and kind of recycle the ball a lot better in such a scrappy game. And regarding the other two midfielders, they I think we might see until the end of the year where. Their performances kind of mirror each other. They they seem to just play up or down to to each other's level, Rangier and Sanson. And unfortunately for us, Friday was a down game. I think it's probably the worst game they've had together. Um, I, I didn't really see what the, the the scheme was for them. I didn't know if they were supposed to be kind of playing physical, playing counterattacking, trying to hold the ball back. It, it, for me, they seemed a little bit lost. Maybe that's because of the pitch. Maybe it's because of, of the problems that Kamavinga and, and the fact that Ren played with four midfielders instead of us playing just three. 
maybe that, that that was a factor that played into it. But it's just a big disappointment to me. I, I think these two guys will have something to prove next week. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because they've come up again. Steph, you'll, you'll probably go on to this. But yeah, I think it, I'll give them benefit of the doubt because they did have one of the, the, the best revelations of Liga on this season, which was a very formidable adversary with Camavinga. That's exactly what I was going to say, to be honest. was I think, I, yeah, I wouldn't be too harsh on him. I think they were up against a player that was just, just a really special player. And at times, he just he seemed to just run running rings around him at moments, at least for the first hour. Anyway, he, was, he, he just couldn't really control him. He was just on a, a class above them, I feel. And I think maybe you're right, the pitch as well is maybe contributing to that. because The types of players that Rangier and Sanson are as well, I don't know. And For me personally, I don't think they're the kind of players that would do that well in a scrappy pitch in a long ball type game, you know. Yeah. They like to be able to move the ball around and stuff. And, you know, they're quite um, technical players, um, I guess. Maybe Rangier more so than Sanson. But, but yeah, so I think maybe a bit of both. But... Um, yeah. And talking about just before, but I'll let you move on probably. Just like since we're on the midfield, just talk about Kamavinga. You call me a Villas Boys hater, but this is where I get him giving props. He, it was clearly, and and this is where I also agree with some of the Ren players when they said that we were targeting their players, because I did feel like one of the instructions was to play very physical on Kamavinga, and if he gets past you, just take him out. And I, for 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 such a, a technical player. I, I, re, I think it's just the right way to go with those kind of players. It's, it's, if he gets through you, you just need to take him down because he, he, he will just run rings around you. Perhaps, but his long balls are so good that he was just pigging long balls over the defence and stuff at times. You know, you know, you can you, you can stop him running past you, but he can just pass it over you if he needs to. He's just got so yeah. much to his game. It's just, it's, and, sometimes and, players like that are almost impossible to play against because they've got everything exactly. in their arsenal. Um, but anyway, so just um, moving on to the attack, actually, um, there's probably a few things worth talking about, actually. like I think... Benedetto's performance kind of stood out to me a, a little bit as very flat. Um, I don't know, how did you guys find him particularly in attack and, and also like the others around him? And did you, Do you think the front three was working? Well, I, I was relieved that he scored against Nîmes because he, you know, I, I think he was going through a patch where he needed a confidence boost, he needed a goal. And I thought that after the goal against Nîmes, he'd, he'd, you know, and, and a couple of weeks rest over Christmas where he, I think he went to Dubai or somewhere warm um, to recharge batteries, I thought you know he'd, his confidence had come back, and um, yeah, it didn't. It, he was very poor against Trinidad, which you know they're not non-league, but they're still fifth division, and and he didn't do a lot. I mean, he's, well, he had a disallowed goal, but more or less rightly so. But whatever. But it, even even his impact um, in the way that he's usually able to take the ball down from a long pass or from a goal kick and play it out first time to with his very good first touch and passing range to one of his teammates he's not been doing that in the last couple of games so I think he's struggling a bit with the cold weather and and probably the pitches and the facts that we are playing we'll probably touch on this later we're actually playing quite a lot of away games um, so he probably doesn't have that that home support and that home comfort that he, he does have at the Villodrome but um, no I think he was a bit disappointing and Again, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, Hadunich and Payet, because they've been extremely decisive for us in recent weeks. But just with that pitch, it was impossible for them to play their game, which is taking the ball, taking a few nifty touches and getting past a couple of players and then playing someone else in or, or taking a shot. They just weren't able to with the, the standard of the pitch. So 
it, it was a very lacklustre performance from from our attacking trio that have have gotten us used to much more um, quality and much more decisiveness. Um, unfortunately, we still find a way to win, but it's it is a bit worrying because we were in in the lead up to November and December when we had seven wins in a row. We were creating chances and we had games against um, Reims at home and. Bordeaux, where we, we were very dominant, we were creating a lot of attempts on goal for our attacking trio. In the last couple of games, we've not seen that at all. So hopefully they fix it, but it could be it could be a worry. OK, uh, Luca, what about you? Well, yeah, I mean, it links up to my my, my initial point of, of saying that for the last five games, we're not really getting enough chances in and it, we, we seem to just lack a bit of inspiration and, and chemistry up front. And maybe that's because, I mean, Pai and Benezzo have been here for, been kind of stable for a while, but on the right side, you've had a mixture of, of Jama and Sa and Radonich on right. So how much chemistry can you build? But they, they look flat, like you said, and it's easy to blame the pitch, but this is a problem that's been, that's, that's starting to be chronic. You know, it's, it's this problem is, it hasn't happened just this game against Radisac. It's been happening for five, six games. And we've had kind of, very good games in in his first half of the season, but you, even in that good stretch, we've still had some games where you you felt the same as as Friday, where where the chemistry doesn't seem to be here. Nah, I don't I don't really want to highlight Payet because I think his game is very dependent on on the on the pitch and and the teammates go around him. I'm I'm very worried about Benedetto. Um, it's a bit hypocritical of me saying that because I always say that Benedetto is so good that. You can't just judge him on his number of goals. You have to look at his overall performances and how he plays with the team. But he's only scored two goals in the last 13 games. Um, you know, when you've got games like these, when when your your build-up play can't be shown because the pitch is so bad, you have to resort to being a poacher. And he's he's looks like he's incapable of that at the moment. And it's, it's pretty problematic because... You, you, we can't resort to Strootman scoring every 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 game coming off the bench, and he he seems frustrated when he came out. He he, he was ranting at, at at the bench. He seems frustrated. He doesn't seem very happy in his role, um, and he's not having a lot of luck. And regarding Radonic, I wouldn't go so far as I wouldn't go so far as people saying, "Well, we he should only be a super sub. He should never start playing." But he seems that. Around the 60th minute, he doesn't have the the sharp edge that he has at the start of games, and the, yeah, the stamina. Is that, yeah, he doesn't seem to have the stamina, and and I think until he builds the stamina, he should be a super sub. I don't think that's going to be his role forever. I don't think he's that you know the the Edin Dzeko that's only good when he's super sub. But I think for now, we need to find we need to to wait for Tovan to come back, and we need to hope that he comes exactly. quickly for him to start like to play on the 60th minute onwards. Okay, um, right. I, I mean, I personally think Radonich, I don't really like him on the right side. I prefer him on the left where he can maybe cut and shoot. But um, but yeah, I probably agree with those points. Um, yeah, so just um, final things to say about the, the Ren match. Um, maybe get your takeaway points um, very quickly. Um, Luke, I'll go with you first. What, do you, what did you take away from this game? Okay, so um, all the all the all the AVP lovers can step away from now. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Here I, we I go. Think, I am not. I am not going to be 
the like the blind witness here, just just saying that AVB AVB's game plan coming up to the week is to just play counter attack and just basically just say, oh, let's play physical football. I think there is our, our victories, our narrow victories, are just hiding a a deeper problem, and um, maybe it's because we have a short squad, but 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 AVB's inability right now i'm not saying they spin like that's the whole the whole season but right now to to shape a dominating team within games so i wouldn't be surprised seeing the ren game and that's my takeaway is that i wouldn't be surprised if against granville and if it if against angers we have similar games yeah okay yeah fair enough um Ben, what about you? What was your takeaway I'll, from this game? I'll, I'll bounce off the, the AVB point and think that he's been very fortunate. We've got to we've got to admit he's been every time he's put a player on as a substitute, they've been they've scored, whether it's been Hadonich, whether it's been Streetman. Um so he's been lucky in that sense that he seems to have the Le Coaching Gagnant, as we say in French, where he seems to put make the substitutions at the right time, which Gassiel was clearly unable to do forever. Um, I think that more than more than the game. Well, I think it's more a game plan problem, Luca. Where I think that he's he was so comforted, and, and we rightly praised him after the away game in Angers, where we we set up very defensively and left the ball to the opposition, which you can do with, with Kamara because every time you get the ball back, you know that you will get it up up the other end of the pitch fairly quickly because he's very quick with his transmissions, as you say, contrarily to Streetman who's more suited to the home games where we're going to have the possession. Um, I think AVB is in danger of falling in that trap of trying to replicate the Angers formula in every one of our away games that's coming up. And that that will be his downfall if he does that and doesn't try to adapt it a bit and tweak it. So that's that's the takeaway there is that he's he's maybe a little too overconfident that we can just set up like we did against Angers and it's going to come off for us. It won't. We will fail at some point. Um, but the, the main... I, I, I'll retain remember the positives, which is, again, the, the encouraging performance of Chaleta Char and, and Kamara and Gonzalez that's been carried by both of them at the minute and hopefully he finds his form again. Um, that, that trio is is key right now, especially when we've got opposition teams with players that are capable of taking Rongier, which is the heartbeat of our midfield, out of games. And Bordeaux, I don't think, will be able to do that, but Saint-Étienne will be able to do that with M. Villa. So, yeah, that, that's the main satisfaction for me is, is again, the solid performance of the spine of the team at the back. OK, thanks for that. Um, and your many takeaway points. <laughs> how many, yeah, how many takeaways were that? Yeah, so, <laughs> there was only two. There were only two. That right. was two. Um, I would just say that mine is very obvious and um, I'm pleased that we come away with this. Where we're eight points clear of third place and we're in such a strong position. Um, I'm, I just couldn't have believed that this would have been the case at the start of the season, you know, after the first defeat of uh, Rance. So for us to be eight points clear, I know they've got a given hand, but that's just, and we're 10 points clear of Lille, you know, who's probably our, I think, biggest threat, I would on paper anyway, to a podium finish or to a second place finish. So yeah, um, to be so far ahead, that's such a, a good position for us to be in to start the new year. Um, okay, so um, the next game actually is against U.S. Granville, right? I I know Granville. I know nothing about. Um, I think they're a, a sort of um, low league level team, aren't they? What are we expecting? It's a cup game. Uh, 
we'll, Friday we'll night. Win. We'll win, even if it, yeah, it's a way we'll win. I think be a scrappy we'll win. game, though. Yeah, yeah, it will be. I think it's it's until we play Angers at home and maybe build up a bit more confidence in our game plan. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have another scrappy game and. Uh, I think the main point about Trélissac and Granville is the last time we went to the French Cup final and lost to PSG mm. yes again, that those were the, the same two opponents that we started off with. So maybe the history will repeat itself. We hope so. Um, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a nervy affair. Um, I think that 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 I, I say that I hope we find confidence against Angers, but the problem is against Angers, Payet, Camaro are going to be suspended and Bounassar as well. Even though it's probably not a loss, but. Yeah, so this this is their last chance to to really have have an impact on a football game for two weeks before we go away to Bordeaux, which we know is very difficult for us every year, despite our, our form. So I think we'll win, we'll qualify. I don't think it's going to be an easy game, but yeah. we we should have enough to win. Okay, Luca, what about you? Um, obviously, Granville, I expect to win as we should, but um, I'll, I'll expect. The same game as Tredisaka. I don't think we've, I don't think we've drawn any lessons from from the Tredisaka game. Seeing how the Ren game went, um, it'll probably can be probably going to be this similar type of opposition, the same type of uh, kind of crazy scenarios. And it's not like you know we're professional players and they're shit, so we're going to shit on them. It's it, they're going to play up to to the game of their year of their their, their careers. And so it's going to be quite a scrappy game, but I expect us to win this time within within you know the ninety minutes. Um, and about the Angers game, um, I mean, seeing what I said for my takeaway, I'm, I'm really not expecting us to, to blow them out like we have done the teams at home this season so far. I think it's going to be a scrappy game, just like when we played them in Angers. Um, they they drew their last game at home. Um, against Nice, they've won the other one and enjoy another one. So they're unbeaten in three games. They're probably going to have a lot of confidence, um, not a lot of pressure on them because they they, they come, you know they're where they, they are where they want to be on in the table. So I, I honestly, I'm a pessimistic about about these games against smaller teams, but I think it's probably going to be gonna, probably going to be a draw to be honest. Okay, yeah, I'm, I think I probably agree with you actually with those predictions. Um, I think that we'll probably scrape through maybe a 1-0 in the cup and then I could see us like drawing 2-2 or something with Angers. Um, I could see that. We just don't the... have the squad against Angers to, 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 to be so confident about a result. Perhaps, um, yeah, maybe. Um, I guess as well, you can't you just can't keep winning forever at some point, you know. I know we drew a few weeks a few games back, but um, yeah. Man, it feels good to say that. <laughs> I know. Um, so yeah, um, I think and, um, a little fine. a little side note before before we move on. Go. I mean, the, the 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 problem is we were all ecstatic after our run of wins, and you, again, you look at the results of the other teams around us. That again, we find a way to win. They lose or draw. PSG drew. So it's theoretically, if if we were playing as well as we did when we had that run of games, and we would. We still had that form, even though we've got the results and the points. If we had that form, I think that we'd, we'd all be saying, "Fucking hell!" Bearing in mind PSG are playing away to Monaco with with their game in hand on on Wednesday, that they after last night's game they could actually draw or lose again. We could be talking about a potential title challenge, but the fact is we're just not good enough because of the way we've been playing, and and that is. <sighs> You know, other teams in our position maybe could make a push for it if nah. they were playing well. 
No, we, but, we I mean, couldn't, look at, look we at couldn't Lille talk last about, year. We couldn't talk about a potential title challenge. Come on, <laughs> PSG are just millions of light years ahead of everyone. It's just yeah, but we're, we're know, heading. Man. We're if, heading if into they, that period. They, they, they're, they're like. They're playing in like third gear. If they wanted, they can go up to fourth, fifth when they yeah, but, to, like, because, if history is any indication, if history is any indication, the last eight games of the season, they 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 don't give a fuck. They're completely demotivated from being eliminated from the yeah. Champions League. Know, and they, they, like, they may win it this games, year. They may win it this year. So you never fuck know. Off. Fuck off. No like, way. You never know, man. No come way. on. I hope not. But <laughs> come on. Anyway, right. So we'll move on. I don't want to talk about PSG at all. Fuck right. Off. Um, sorry, so, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, so I w- just we've only got about ten minutes left. So um, very, I thought quickly as well we could just sort of scan some a couple of the sort of major transfer rumours that are floating around right now because it is the January window. There's not that long left of it to be honest. What two weeks left? And there's been very little activity as far as I can see across across Europe. Um, but yeah, we've been linked. With a couple of players coming in, a couple of players going out, but the, I think the story that's probably floating around is getting the most headlines right now is not a transfer story as such. It's about um, Lehaji um, and his contract. Um, so recently, you know, he's been in talks with the club for a long time now. I think going back from before the summer about his first, signing his first professional contract, and he's got seems to have quite high, high, heavy demands about how much he wants to get paid. And then in the last week, we found out that the club have just suspended all negotiations with him. They've they've dropped out. They're saying that they're not they're no longer discussing a deal with him. So he looks like he's going to move onwards to a number of big clubs across Europe and France after him. Um, are you disappointed by this, or do you think this is the right choice? Well, let, let's go with the facts. So the, the figures are we've I think we offered between eight and 12,000 euros is a monthly salary for a 17-year-old kid who's barely played in, in professional football um, and a, a, a half-decent sign-on bonus of a, a few hundred K. The figures that are apparently being floated around that he's been offered by other European clubs, including Lille, which, if you go with today's press, is his preferred option, is 40K monthly salary and a million sign-on bonus. So... You know, he's been advised by his entourage. We know what the transfer market is like. It's been completely deregulated by the big clubs signing young players for for stupid fees that barely half of them have have made it. You know, look at at Joao Joao Felix at Atletico Madrid, who's been very poor, as an example. So... (laughs) If if Marseille were playing badly and we were we were struggling in the league and we were between fifth and tenth like last year, there would be uproar that we're not taking gamble and not paying one of our hottest prospects the money that he, he deserves and we're not starting him in games. The fact is we're in, we're a bit in the position of power where we are actually performing well. We're second in the league. It is likely increasingly that we will get Champions League football again. So Either we're bluffing and we're putting the pressure on him, or either we've grown a pair of balls and we're saying, you know what, screw you. We don't want other other players in the academy to to get the same mentality. So thank you, but no thank you. You know, go try your luck elsewhere. So I, 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 you'd think that it's a mistake if we were struggling because you could sign him and then sell him for thirty or forty million in a year or two if he did really well. But the fact is, do we really need him because? Tovar is going to come back from injury and he may scrape into the Euro squad. He may not if he finds amazing form. So it's unlikely that he will leave this summer again. So I don't think we really need him. 
I don't know. I mean, I think you need to have two players for each position, and we, to me, it seems like with Tovan out, we don't have a proper right winger. Um, I think you know we've seen Germain playing that role. We've seen Lopez play that role. We've seen who else? Radonich. None of them seem like that's their natural position. They, they, they seem to struggle a bit. But so yeah, that's my view. And also, yeah, I'd just like to see you know young local talent come through and and make it to the first team. But it does sound like he's got shitty agents, doesn't it? I think he's got the same agent as um, is it Lasana Giara or someone? Um, there was definitely- yeah, he does. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, I think I think he does. Um, I, th- I think there's there's two ways of, of kind of looking at it. I think it's I think it's one way is being looked at through the players' eyes and then the, the club's eyes. And I think both scenarios, without possible outcomes, I think Marseille kind of lose losers, which is why I think we will cave into his demands. There's there's one perspective when you can from the players' perspective, you're like, well, it doesn't even if I wanted two million. Of wages a month, like a year. Sorry, it doesn't matter to you because he's. I'm so hyped up in media. Um, I'm, I'm a leading coming 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 through as an international prospect and stuff. And so you can just as easily sell me for for ten million without me playing any football in six months. It's what happened to Ensoki for PSG, who signed for a three million sign-on bonus, uh, and then was sold to Nice for twelve million without playing any football. So there's this player saying, well, why would you not pay me that much? Because you're going to make such a massive profit on me anyway that, that, that for you is it's a risk-free operation. But obviously the risk of that for the club is that then other prospects with less talent will then ask for the same wages. So if you cave into Mr. Munz, you, you, you set the precedent and you've got all the other all the players who, who would not be able to, you would not be able to sell for, for much money asking for such prices, same prices. And then there's the other way where Marseille decides, you know what, we're putting our foot in the ground. We're not paying you what you want. We're paying you a normal, like what Lopez got, what Camaro got. We're paying you that kind of salaries first, and then you prove yourself, and then you get more money. In this case, he'll clearly just leave, go to Lille, for example. And here, you're, you're absolutely sure with their little like, dodgy agent networks, you're sure that he's going to be sold six months later for 20 million, and that's going to come back, back to bite us in the ass because. You know, we're just going to get all of all of the French media that's going to say, you know, how shit we are doing business, and and even Marseille fans will, will turn around to Euro and just say, you know, how can you let him go? It's so much money. It's basically the same amount of money as going to Champions League. How can you let him go? So yeah. I don't really see a way the Marseille wins. Um, I think we'll probably, I think we will end up keeping him for the contract that that he essentially wants. Um, but I don't see him staying in a club long term. I think he's kind of burning bridges. With with Zubizarreta by lengthening the negotiation for so long, it doesn't sound like he's got the attitude of someone who's going to be a sort of long term sort of stalwart of the side, does it? it? Doesn't seem like he's got the the club at his heart. It seems like he's got other no, interests. It's, it's, so. Yeah, but it's not it's not his decision. Like we're in a world where it's 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 genuinely just the agents making the decisions for you. Like at that level, you have completely no say in your future. It's just your agents. And when you've got the same agent as Sanajara, a, a well-renowned, like at least a national stage agent, he's not going to take business advice from a 17-year-old kid. He's going to be the one calling the shots. So he doesn't have much say in it. Um, so he's, I don't think we can draw conclusions from his personality like from negotiations like that. He's got nothing to do with that. Okay, all right. Um, so just because of time's really, I'm just going to, uh, is running out, I'm just going to skip quickly on there's a lot, couple of links 
that I just wanted to cover very briefly, get your ideas about them. And I know the club have said that they wouldn't bring anyone in. They've repeated this message for months that they weren't going to bring anyone in unless they sold anyone. Um, but there's not, you know, there's not that much rumours going around. But in the last week or two, um, there's definitely been a couple of links players that have been linked to us, quite no, high-profile players. So I think um, Niang, you mentioned him earlier on in the podcast before the Ren game was linked to us and there was talk about this, what, 20 million euro move or something. Um, now, obviously, well, it's most likely a lot of rubbish, right? Because we don't seem like we're in a position maybe to spend 20 million euros on a player. Um, and Yang's shit. Yeah, so I want to know, like, what's your thoughts on this player? Because he's quite, con- he's quite divide, it's quite divisive, isn't he? Like, a lot of people don't really rate him at all, and some people think he's got sort of raw attributes that there's, you know, there's some sort of rough diamond there that you could polish. You, you're not a fan, Luca? No. Nah, he's got. He's. I mean, he's been kind of thrown around Europe because he's he's been in all kinds of teams, and he's finally landed in Red, where he's basically found a team that 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 will kind of. That would get like cope with all of his antiques because when he went to Montpellier, we've got um, with Le Fossien, who are, who are a friend podcast. They they have Jacques Bayle, who used to coach M. Young at Montpellier, and he, he he always comes out with the anecdotes and antiques about him. He, he apparently you can't even sleep with, with both sides closed when when he's on your club because he will just drink drive, like he will go to 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 the clubs at one in the morning the week day before the game like he's he's that kind of player that's completely unpredictable and when you're talking about paying 20 million for him or even 10 million for him it it's just money that you're just throwing in the air hoping that something sticks and then it, it brings back a bit of cash you've got no guarantees with him his his attitude his mentality is all over the shop and in a club like marseille that is so scrutinized he will just get picked apart his attitude will get picked apart his antiques will get picked apart and he will just amply crash down he he probably will i think i think it's a bullshit link um but if if it transpires that we could if we qualify for champions league and we and rent don't and we can get him for between 10 and 15 million i i would take the gamble personally because we need the second striker we need to get rid of germain and we need someone to to play with benedetto or replace him um, when he's when he's out of form or when he's injured if it's 10 15 million i would take the gamble because it could come good as well as it could go very badly. I agree, but I just think it's a bullshit link. But then again, what what else can we afford in the 10 to 15 million range? Even if we get Champions League football, we're not going to blow 30 million on one player. We're, we're likely going to strengthen with three or four players. So I wouldn't say no to him, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say yes if there were potentially better options available. Okay. Um, and just finally, um, there's one story that's kind of been going on for the last six months or so is about Morgan Sanson, um, possibly leaving, and I've seen quite a few stories, a few um, websites um, sort of talking in recent weeks again that the, some Premier League clubs will come back in for him and bid quite big money for him. Do you think he's going to stay beyond January? I, I don't think he wants to leave, um, but I think that's going to be dictated by the appetite of the court to cash in early or wait till the summer where potentially you could get a bit more money from. I, I, I do think we could, if we negotiate properly, and the latest rumour is, or well, the first rumour was 
Hertha Berlin, who've got Jurgen Klinsmann as manager, wanted Luca Toussaint from Lyon. They weren't going to get their man, so they were going to resort to the second option, which was potentially Sanson or Streetman. That one I don't understand, because they just saying that, um, is it Ascacebar? Santiago Ascacebar, the Argentinian international. Exactly. So why would they be in for another midfielder when they... When they were linked to all these players like Shaka, Granite Shaka and stuff, and then they bought yeah, this yeah. guy. So I, well, I think that's bullshit, you know. I don't well, know. They, yeah, they, they seem to be going for the, the out of favour players in, in current teams that are struggling, which are Shaka and, and Leon Toussaint. But they, so. but they already got someone in the position they were, they were supposedly looking to spend. When, and, when did they sign him? I didn't like two see weeks that. ago or something, like just um, in January. So um, it was it was after, you know, he'd been linked to, the, the, the you know, this. Um, supposed loan move for Shaka was, you know, was um, well, supposed to be quite yeah. close. Then they went and signed this guy, but suddenly these rumours about Sansong and other Tusar have kind of resurfaced about a week well, or they, two later. Yeah, so they they seem to be very hot on Tusar. I think for Sansong, if you if you decide to cash in on him, you've got to have the intelligence in January where he's now he's now back on form. He's now having a playing a predominant role in the team. If you get an offer for 35, 40 million, you've got to have the intelligence to turn around and say, fuck you, it's January, the team's doing well. If we sell him, it's really going to hinder our, our potential to qualify for the Champions League. Potentially, you're going to have to go to 55, 60, which you're, you're well within your right to do. And other clubs do that in January because it's halfway through the season, especially when the team's, you know, the, the dynamic is good. But if we, if we decide to desperately cashing on him for 35, 40 million because McCourt wants to get his money back, I will be quite disappointed. But it is likely because we know that we're struggling for cash, apparently. Even with Champions League money and qualification, we we still won't meet the financial fair play criteria. Well, if, if, if you wait till the summer, are you going to be able to be in that position of strength and say, no, we're not? Because you're you're trying to sign him halfway through the season, we want big money for him. I'm not sure, even if he carries on his form. That is that is the question mark, and it, it it's it's a difficult thing because he's on such good form. Well, to be honest, like um, they should, if if as West Ham say that are interested in him, they I should. I think the, the sorry, the latest club is Spurs today. Yeah, but they should really if it is West Ham anyway, they should really keep an eye on what what they do because they like you know they're talking about that guy Rice and. Um, Man United supposedly interesting him like the kind of money that West Ham would sell a player who's probably nowhere near as good as Santos. For we should, you know, we 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 need to use that. As, this is uh, a club who's just reappointed David Moyes for the second time in three years, so they're clueless. They're clearly clueless. They're clearly willing to waste money. Yeah, but, but we should also use that to say, well, the, you know, if you're set, if this player's worth that, then our player's worth. So so and so amount, you know, we shouldn't be exactly. just because we're because we're French and we're not play based in the Premier League, you know. Completely agree. Sorry, um, look at what what about you? Do you think Sanson is going to um Sanson's going to stay beyond January? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be very quick. I, I I do see him staying just as, as a short answer, but it I think the best transfer we can make this obviously this um winter window is no transfer at all. We we don't have the kind of money to to buy a player with where we're sure he's going to bring in added value straight away to the team. So you might as well not take a risk to then get flops with, with heavy contracts because that's that's just the way it goes in winter, winter windows. And we said, we repeated how how depleted our, our squad is and how it's, it's kind of a miracle that that we're second in the league with, with such a depleted squad without Tova. I think AVB's found a balance with the squad 
I think getting rid of Sanson could, could I, even I don't like the player that much, I think he's part of this kind of balance and the chemistry. I think if you get rid of him, you could risk throwing the balance and then missing out on Champions League. So I think it's best to not sign anyone, to keep that, that, that chemistry within the squad, to not let him go, and then just to revisit that in the summer. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the, the 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 best the best signing we're going to make in this winter transfer window is getting Tovan back from injury. Um, okay, so yeah. I think on that note, then we'll end the we'll end the show tonight. Um, so yeah, thanks very much, um, everyone, for listening, and um, thank you guys as well for for taking part. No thanks for AVB taking out. thanks for taking the hot seat. Don't say <laughs> AVB out, Jesus. AVB oh. out. <laughs>